This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 66, Dan Candell on Hypnotic Success. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Hey there, welcome back. It's Jason Lynette here with an outstanding session here with Dan Candell. Dan is up in Massachusetts and Dan is doing some outstanding work. And the reason I reached out to Dan, Dan is somebody that I've known for quite some time now, having gone through some of my business content, though in many ways learning from him as well, seeing some of the outstanding things that he's done for himself from a TEDx talk to really this whole concept of leveraging success and really taking hypnosis to brand new audiences. I want to pause for a moment and give a quick thank you to another five-star review left over on iTunes from Mary Ellen at Bermuda Hypnosis, who says, I thoroughly enjoyed the podcast by Jason. I came across him this weekend, and I've spent all my free time listening to his stuff. Great energy, filled with passion and purpose. You can't go. Po- you can't possibly go wrong with Jason on your side. Go, Jason. Mary Ellen, thanks so much. To leave your feedback for this program, just head over to worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash iTunes, and that'll take you over to the page where you can actually go there and leave your review as well. Your feedback helps us to grow this program, helps us to reach brand new audiences. Back to this content here with session number 66 with Dan. Dan is in the category of what I like to call a worker, that there are a lot of people in this hypnosis profession who are out there talking and they're just out there thinking and Dan is really out there doing. And as I like to say again, that's a hypnotic worker. That's someone who's really out there doing the work, getting great results, and really making a name for himself, and definitely check him out. So let's jump right in. This is session number 66, Dan Candell on Hypnotic Success. I think one of the very few people who never really had experience doing anything else but hypnosis. So I started when I was about 12 years old. I had a learning disability, and uh, my parents had teacher conferences and they were going to have to send me to either a special school or keep me back in classes. And it was basically a comprehension issue where what would take my friends half hour to do, it would take me two or three hours to do the same thing. So my parents figured they were going to break the news by sending me on a vacation and going on like a camping trip with my dad. Well, on that camping trip when I was 12 years old, I saw a stage hypnotist and that's marked my interest and he he had 20 people on stage had him doing all kinds of crazy funny things in, a, in this little theater and and um, conducting an orchestra and and winning the imaginary lottery and stuff like that riding a horse and I was intrigued so we got home from the vacation and my my parents found out I was interested in this thing hypnosis so my mother bought me uh, what I would consider now to be an awful VHS training about hypnosis and my fa- <laughs> <laughs> my father bought me a book and 
they said, well, you know, the kid can't really read. He can't really comprehend anything he's taught. So this, we're going to see how this is going to go. Basically, I developed a photographic memory of everything hypnosis, and it was the first time uh, that I'd ever understood anything was when I was reading and when watching about hypnosis. So I learned in a book how to hypnotize yourself to get better grades. So I, I did that. I was a little 12-year-old kid recording my own voice into an audio, and I'd listen to it at night. Within about three weeks, my grades went from Cs and Ds and Fs all the way up to just straight As. And my teachers thought I was cheating. So they had a, another conversation with my parents, and they said, no, he's doing this hypnosis thing. So they asked me if I could teach it to other students. Nice. And by this time, I'm now 13 years old and I'm, I'm uh, hypnotizing other kids in the lunchroom and everything like that. Started to get in a little bit of trouble. And uh, especially when you pre-hypnotize someone and, and you're 13 years old and someone that you have a crush on, they're walking down the stairs and they said no to you. You figure I'm going to get payback. So you yell sleep as they're walking down the stairs and go <laughs> boom, 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 boom type of thing. So – my parents and, and uh, my teachers found, uh, found a course, and it was the stage, uh, Ultimate Stage Hypnosis course uh, by Jerry and Tommy when Orman was still doing it. And, and I went to this course, and uh, I was so young, my mother had to go with me, and she sat in on the course as well. And from there, it, that course gave me a really good foundation, but I was still like I was still so passionate. I wanted to learn more, so I started to take more courses, and Started doing stage hypnosis shows when I was 14 years old, and uh, then when I got to college, one of my professors said, "Hey, I, you know, I hear you do hypnosis." And he was a psychology professor. He said, "Can you use hypnosis to motivate my students to do better?" And I said, "Yeah, sure." So I thought he was joking with me. So I hung a sign outside my dorm room that said, "Get hypnotized, get A's." And then some smartass wrote on the bottom of it, ten bucks a person." So I, I go to lunch, come back to my dorm room, and there's fifty people lined up outside the <laughs> dorm room with ten bucks. And so I'd hypnotize five people at a time. Well, the thick of the story is word spread. And I went to a college where there's fourteen other colleges in the area that all network. And other schools started to bust their students and athletes to my dorm room. So I'd hypnotize five people at a time. Then I had to take it to the classrooms and hypnotize 20 or 30 people at a time. Within three weeks, I made $25,000 for just from hypnotizing students and athletes out of my dorm room. So that's basically – then I'm like, hey, dude, you can make money with this. <laughs> so and, and you can help people with it at the same time. So I no longer charge $10 a person. <laughs> It's now fifteen. It's now it's now fifteen fifty. Yes. Uh, so, with inflation. So, uh, so yeah, that's kind of how I started, and and now to date, uh, and and people challenge me on this, but to date, I've hypnotized about seventy five thousand people. I've opened for rock stars, have a very successful practice in, in hypnosis in Massachusetts, and uh, hired other hypnotists to work with me and everything like that. But but. It, success didn't come overnight. I've I've been doing this since I was 13 years old, and uh, there are some some nights where I hypnotize an audience of five six hundred people uh, in a group, and then there's other times where I'll just hypnotize one person in my office. So, so it it built. It it definitely built. And I always ask myself, you know, if you had to go back and and talk to the 13 year old you or the 16 year old you, what would you tell them? 
and it would be, holy mother of God, <laughs> uh, you just wait. And But, you know, I'm, I'm still at a level where I'm still building to get to the next level. So it's it's honestly, it's been an honor and a privilege to be a, a part of this profession. Yeah, let me rewind back for a moment. What was it that you were going to college for? Uh, I was double major in marketing and psychology so I can screw with your mind and sell you something. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so it works hand in hand, works really well now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then uh, just to get into specifics here for a moment, you're you're working with fellow students. There are people coming to you from other universities. What What kind of tactics were you using in those sessions and those group seminars you were doing then? I would work with five people at a time in my dorm room originally. I would have one in my bed, one in my roommate's bed, one on the floor, and two in the in the dorm chairs. My roommate would come in. He'd think I was having an orgy of some sort. He didn't know what the heck was going on. But basically what I would do at the time, because this is what I knew, I'd do like a five-minute progressive relaxation, and I would basically tell them just direct suggestion work. When you sit in front of your exam, I want you to visualize yourself feeling confident and I want you to visualize yourself walking out of the room knowing you've already – already knowing you've aced the exam and then I would talk to them about improving their memory and when they do study, uh, you know, they are going to have to put in study time but they're going to be cutting their study time in half because their memory is going to improve, their focus and concentration is going to improve and, and I've stuck with that theme uh, even when I do my shows in high schools, learn how you can cut your study time in half. And that has been uh, a theme in my sessions and, and in my shows. So it just started off with a progressive relaxation for about five minutes, direct suggestion work, and, and it worked. And the reason why I know it worked was because people would come back for every exam and they'd bring their friends. Mm-hmm. So what was 50 people lined up outside my dorm was then 75, was then 100, was, was then people bussing their students and then their athletes. And their athletes, I would just do basically a visualization technique and, and a mental rehearsal and wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Like the, it would turn losing teams into winning teams because the football team at my college sucked. So, <laughs> so it was a big thing to get them doing better. And, and that's, I mean, that's what we all strive for is to, to help improve. And that's what, what I really enjoy doing is high performance work. And it's a theme that's popped up several times here in various interviews or even things that I've talked about of as we start, we, we often begin with this almost fearless nature to ourselves that we don't yet have that tendency to think of all the reasons why it's not going to work. And the thing to really highlight is just how simple yet profound that approach was, and that's part of its strength. Rather than getting caught up with all these other streams of where the process could have gone, you drilled it down to the basics of let's get them into a clear state of mind, let's boost that confidence, let's improve their study habits. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and confidence is a big key with people. Relaxation is a big key with people. And I mean, some people don't understand just the benefits of what five minutes of relaxation training a day can do with you. And and it, it's it's fascinating to see where people are feeling more empowered, inspired, where where they can focus their attention more and and even people who have ADD or ADHD and uh, they they can still focus their mind. It's just what they choose to focus it on in that moment. So 
when you teach people tools and techniques, how to focus their attention on their business or how to focus their attention on a book that they're reading uh, uh, or, or on their relationship or on their personal or professional life, you see how things start to develop and unfold for people where they, they're, they're literally feeling more productive, more empowered, more inspired to do what they need to do in order to accomplish and achieve their full potential. And really to take that focus and pay it towards the right things as well. Right, right. That, exactly. uh, I mean, here's a client session that I had this morning that it's the example where here are all these things that have done exceptionally well in the last week, yet it's just that one little thing. And that one little thing was perhaps every reason why, from her respect, I thought this would have gone so much better, yet we kind of had to begin that session with that moment of you have done this, the scale is down this many pounds, you have gone to the gym this many times, this is how excellent you're doing. And it's that it's that game that people would often play with themselves as to here's every reason why I can't. And to take that that task, call it mindfulness, just call it better focusing and just put that perspective where it needs to be. Right. And when people have that ability to focus on the right things that push them forward instead of those things that hold them back, they're going to look at you and they're going to think you are a god uh, because you've helped them with this. But then we have to remind them we're just a facilitator in the process. Unless you're like I was when I was 13, you actually thought you had magical powers. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and But you see the progression where – a lot of younger individuals are getting into this profession and there's there's sort of an, a new generation that's that's happening there's a paradigm shift that i notice happening in hypnosis now where people are are starting to shy away from the progressive relaxation and the just the direct suggestion work and that's where I see people even in my shows where I look at – I watch videos from when I did things when I was 13, 14 years old and I watch videos of, of the way that things are done today and narrowing it down to a science and a format and understanding not just the script and, and not just doing a script but understanding why things work and understanding the ins and outs of the language that we use. and. And I used to think language wasn't important. Uh, I, I used to think, you know, as long as you can just have someone close your eyes and relax, then that's it. But but it's not. And I've come to understand that the language that we use and the methodology behind it is is so important. And in the past few years, I've been doing a lot of studies on uh, on different words and different things that set expectation for people. And when you can set an expectation and paint a picture of what's going to happen for them and they actually experience that which happens, it's such a powerful, profound message for people. Well, I think the point of view at times too is that look at it as in an early introduction to hypnosis, we would think that we go through the process and now that I've hypnotized you, now that I've done these things called deepeners, now I can officially talk about why you're here. And now, now that I've run out of things to say, I can do my roughly paraphrasing here. Now that I've run out of things to say, I can now begin to emerge you based on this information. And the way that I'd phrase it nowadays would be that the, the hypnotic language we put around the hypnotic experience, right? to take right. the stuff that we're doing before in the intro and even afterwards as well, I think that's probably, it's probably one of the most underlooked parts of the process of setting that expectation for exactly what is going to happen and how well it's going to work for them. 
Right. And and you can have that profound experience with one person in your office, but you can also take that experience and you can magnify it on a scale of about five or six hundred times when you're doing any type of presentation or uh, or stage show. And that's where I've combined these same techniques to do my stage shows. And, and there's a dichotomy between shows and sessions and carrying the same techniques that you use in your shows and translating them over to sessions. So that way your sessions are more impactful. They're more powerful. But also it's it's getting people to have some experience in a stage show and you use those people as an example as to let's look at what this phenomenon of hypnosis can can do for a benefit and in my stage show I use uh, at the end of the show I have a motivational component where I I basically pick out who I'm going to want to work with over the next month do I want to work with weight loss people athletes anxiety Uh, what problem do I want to work with and I'll incorporate that into the show and have these people go through a shift on stage and then say to the people in the audience, hey, guess what? These people experienced this. You can too. And here's how. Nice. Nice. You know, it's a theme that's popped up several times, even in interactions with clients that I've had where, you know, maybe they found the website of mine that's more stage hypnosis centered rather than just Virginia Hypnosis, which is my practice website. How how do you operate that balance? Or is there even a for, for me, it's became the strategy that there's really no delineation from what I do on stage to what I do within my sessions. Right. That it's always and, navigating the person to an outcome. Right. And I, it's funny you ask that because uh, there was a time where I had them as completely separate entities yeah. where stage hypnosis and uh, quote unquote hypnotherapy did not ever mix. And, and I was taught that. I was taught you never mix. Hypno, uh, hypnotherapy with stage work. You, you just never do it. And then I started to challenge that belief and I said, well, why? So I do have a stage website for stage hypnosis that is separate. I do have still have a hypnotherapy website. I also have one dedicated just to sports for athletes. I have another one that's dedicated just to golfers. I have another website that's dedicated uh, just for students because that's what, what has always worked for me. And now what I'm doing Although is that more of a marketing strategy to niche down and have it be found more easily. Yes. The one message. Yeah. Yes. So, so, to, so just to clarify that it's not quite to hide one business from the other. No, it's to right. have the most clearly defined marketing message. Right. Because yeah. I also have a button on each website uh, that you can click on that will bring you to another part of what I do. Um, and this has worked so well where on my stage website, I have on there hypnotherapy for students, hypnosis for athletes. And so when you're going on there to book a show, you also see that there's so many different components. And most people find me from my hypnosis shows or my stage show website, or most of my clients, I should say, find me from my stage shows or my websites. And I don't pay for advertising. I don't really uh, – marketing I would consider as my websites and and everything that makes those work. Uh, but the majority of the people who come in here, they've come in here because they've seen my shows. They've seen my videos. And and you do this as well, Jason, where you talk a lot about, uh, about getting your clients to know, like, and trust you before they come in. They've had some experience with you. And I do that with my sh- – with having people view my shows. Uh, 
also where I've done a TED talk. If people come in for, uh, when people are coming in for a session, I send them a video of that TED talk and I said, watch this first. Nice. And, and that essentially <laughs> is, <laughs> sets the, sets the expectation right there. Um, we call and, that cheating, but that's appropriately yeah, yeah. cheating. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, it's like, there's the pre-talk and in that TED talk, it also teaches them a strategy or excuse me. I know someone's going to correct me on this, a TEDx talk. Yes. So when when I send that to somebody, there's number one, there's information about hypnosis. It clears the, the myths and misconceptions. And number three, there's a strategy in there that people can start utilizing that's going to help them achieve some result if they plug it into their uh, into their daily routine. And just to unpack that a little bit further – so here's a moment where we could just simply put the information on a website. And as I like to remind people, most people are not going to read it. Some will, most won't. We could also then just simply do the talking head video. Um, we could do something of that nature. But here's what you're doing there, which immediately delivers credibility, immediately delivers the authority, and immediately then provides some of that influence. I mean, right out of Cialdini's uh, book, Influence, the whole law of reciprocity, that you're teaching somebody something in that moment. So, so the dangerous follow-up question here seems a little bit out of left field here, but do you have a major issue with no-shows in your office? Never. And I bet you don't, and this exactly is what we're talking about here. Right. Because, again, you are providing the user experience before they even come into your office and if anything, they're just further validating, wow, I have made the right decision. This is the place I want to go. Right. And there's one more thing that I attribute to uh, why I do not have no-shows, and that is I put every single client through what some would call a free consultation or a strategy session or an intro session. I call it an interview. And in those sessions, I let it be known, hey, look – I get dozens of emails every single day for clients, and, and I really do. When I do my stage shows, uh, I am I usually do about three shows a week, and uh, I have a lead. I use those as lead generation, and I'm getting people's information. My office assistant enters in all the data, so people are signing up for like the free thing at my shows, and and that's basically my my marketing strategy. If I'm low on clients sometime, but that I'm not really ever low on clients anymore because of this, because of those, those lead generation machines. But when I have these conversations with people, I ask them, why should I accept you into my program? And what are the benefits? What do you think the benefits are going to be of you and I working together? Um, and this also eliminates people asking for discounts. I had a gentleman the other day, he came, he came in and said, you know, Dan, I, this process is kind of expensive. Um, I, I don't know if I can, if I can afford it. I said, look, I, I understand. Uh, however, I need you to see the result and I want to know why I should work with you versus the other guy I just told to go to, I, I just referred out to somebody else. Um, why should I work with you? And that translated the entire process where, where he was saying, well, here's, here's why I think we would be a good fit. And it puts the ball in their court where they're now painting the picture to me as to why we'd be a good fit. And I use that in our sessions as well. 
and and then there it's I, I think it's Don Martin that coined this phrase. Then where not only two friends working together to create a common goal, there's an expectation set that wow, a lot of people contact this guy as a facilitator of change, and uh, he has the luxury of choosing who he wants to work with. No, I mean it's excellent because here's a moment where I had a call just like that yesterday where it's someone that the first thing is I've never done anything like this before so I don't know what to expect was the first thing that she said and when I got down to this is how many sessions this is what the program is this is what the investment is suddenly it was this moment of well for that rate why don't I get this why don't I get this why don't I get that you know an option for additional sessions custom recordings and I just got to politely turn the tables back to go, I thought you've never done this before. How do you know to ask for those things? And not to play the the Mad Magazine snappy questions to silly, uh, snappy answers to silly questions uh, game, but in many ways pointing out, you know, here's what I do that's different. And right. the biggest respect came from the moment where I just said, everything I've quoted to you is based on what I have found to be the most effective with my clients. Right, exactly. This is how I found it works best, and this is the reason you were talking to me. Right. So if this is something you don't feel is a match for you, then I could highly recommend several other people in the area. And it's not meant to be that moment of, in, in marketing, what's called a takeaway sale, where you, you take the keys away and, well, I guess you don't want the car. No, it's not meant to be that. Yet it then, as your, as your story goes, it kind of turns into that because then it puts that authority back on them which is in many ways, again, back to that phrase of providing that user experience. This is where they want to be there. This is where they need to be there. This is where it's going to take it out of the, it'd be nice to create this change to that. I must make this change. Mentality. It does. And, and when I work with other hypnotists, um, I always ask them, who do you want to work with? Who is your dream client? Like, give me a name and, and who's your dream client. And so let's go hang out where those clients hang out and let, let's set the frame because there, there's a really important concept of, of setting the frame. And in that, you, are position, you have to position yourself as some sort of, of expert. And I firmly believe that if one day goes by where I walk in my office and I say, oh, I really can't believe I'm working with that person again. <laughs> if that happens, I've done something wrong. Yes. And I'm, I'm, people have, have slipped through the cracks before. <laughs> that, that was about to be my follow-up question of, have you had that moment before? Yes, yes, I, I have. And then and what are I, their names and mailing addresses? Yeah. <laughs> well, it causes you it's to – just you and me here. Yeah. just you and me. Mm, yeah, I wonder. Yeah. <laughs> it causes you to reevaluate what you're doing and – it, it causes you to filter out those people. Now, those people, does it mean that hypnosis isn't the right fit for them? No, it doesn't. It just means that maybe we're not the right fit for each other. And there are ideal clients and I a lot of them I filter out already when I do my shows because at the end of my hypnosis show, I say, ladies and gentlemen, up here we have 20 people who without them, we wouldn't have a show. So for a thank you to these people, I am going to do a motivational session with them that's going to help empower and inspire these people and help them achieve their goals that they have set for themselves. 
Now, this is a free session. Essentially, they're getting a free session up here on stage in front of everybody. And when you come in my office, it's $200 per session. And I'm usually seeing you for a course of four to six sessions. So it's an investment of eight to $1,200. Boom. Mm-hmm. That right there just set the frame. So now who comes up to me after the show but the people who qualify to fit into that frame, the people who really want to change – and the people who who know that the the change they're going to experience or the the transition that they're going to experience or the transformation it's worth that to them so right there it already slim basically trims the fat i guess you would say and do i have other people call me that say you know what dan $200 a session $1200 that's that's a little much um yeah i still do have those people call me but i also have backup plans for them and i have options so if if they don't think that the right fit for them and I don't think the right fit is them coming in for private sessions, I have other options for them that work, whether it be referring them to somebody else or or whether it be enrolling them into one of my support programs or a coaching program that I have. There are many other options that these people can utilize that will get them closer to that result. And there's a couple of things to highlight there, that that moment of – at any point, I think at anyone's career doing this or anything of a coaching aspect, you will have that moment where you find yourself in the room with someone that you perhaps shouldn't have taken on as a client. And yes. the benefit of it is to to have that moment prepares you to not be in that moment exactly. ever again. And it's where – and I'll be very respectful in that moment to say, here's where I think it's not a match and either refer out or recommend something else the same same as you there in that moment. Yep, yeah. And the same thing where – have you ever had this happen where it's like your last session you've scheduled somebody and they drop a bomb on you and you're like, whoa, number one, that came out of left field and number two, I am no longer qualified to work with this person? Yes. Yes, okay. Yes. Yeah. So let me ask, what do you normally do in that situation? I had this happen to me yesterday. I'm curious as to what other people do in that situation. Well, I will very heavily generalize uh, because I actually have a client who I just wrapped up with a little while ago that in this case actually did bring it up over the phone. And it's and it was a moment where I tend to be somebody who my program is my program, my fee is my fee, and if that's not a match for you, I can gladly recommend someone else. And I've got a ton of people. I mean, I'm in a very populated area, as are you, and it's easy to make that referral elsewhere. And often, even better, hype up the reason why that person is a better resource. And I'd be very open and repeat this story, yet, of course, generalize some rather sensitive details. Though it's a moment where someone called and she had this goal of creating a change involving her health and, quote, I have this specific condition. And it's a moment, though, where a local hypnotist said to this person, you can't do hypnosis because you have that. Right. Which I heard that, and I am someone who will do everything I can to find, and let me drop a name, Larry Elman would say this is disgusting that I can do this, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) the ability to spin something to be the most positive phrasing possible. Which means if you hear me say a negative, buckle up, it's going to be good because it is bubbling at the back surface. <laughs> so it's that moment, though, where I just had to say it's generally in my position to phrase things in the most positive way. However, I do have to intervene and say what this individual told you is completely wrong. 
And I will not apologize on behalf of that individual, but I will apologize on behalf of my profession because you should not have heard that. However, here's the edit on that. So I did go through a bit of a chain of events. The letter sent off to the doctor. They signed off. I see no contradiction. Now she's in the office and we've been successful together. And I've had several of those at the same time. So admittedly, you know, even if someone did have access to my calendar, it wouldn't reveal anything. But it's that moment of catching it at its core. I'm often too, I mean, the exception would be the exact scenario that you mentioned where suddenly they're in the space with you and then it reveals in the room and you're about to jump into that session and it's that, oh, well, that's new kind of moment. That's kind of the scenario you found yourself in. Not that it was new that it became – it could have become increasingly dangerous to work with this person. I got to ask details. Dangerous how and in whatever way is appropriate to share? Um, Confessing to doing things with – and and they have already at this point gotten caught Mm. but doing things with a child. Got it. Got it. Yeah. You know, it's a place where I, I think I might have told the story in some of the business content that you've got of mine where uh, – and, and I tell the story not of the mindset to say this is why you should not do live consultations, mm-hmm. um, though I would share I don't do live consultations and maybe the story helped to self-validate. But again, I do not tell the story as every reason why you should uh, or why you shouldn't. But it's a guy who calls up and I had, my, my policy is I am now only in my office either when I'm producing information as I'm sitting here in my office and here you and I are over Skype or as I'm here teaching a class or seeing a client. So my filter is either content creation or dollars for hours. I, if not, I do it at home. And that's, that's something that I've set a strict schedule on for the reason of I've got small family at home. And that way I am maximizing my time when I'm here. And when I go home, the computer doesn't get turned on. Maybe I glance at my phone, but I am not working those hours. So it's a guy though who calls up and the story goes, I don't feel comfortable talking about this on the phone. I need to come in. Right. And it's a moment where I could very openly say, well, based on my schedule this week, if you could be here at my office on Thursday at exactly 530, I can give you 20 minutes because I've got to hit the road later on, but I can give you that time. And it's, it's unfortunately one of those moments that the more that someone talked, the more he was digging that hole of guilt. Yes. Because it was the, I've been accused of having this style of imagery and video on my computer, fill in the obvious gaps there. Yep. And in his words, uh, and, and again, it's one of those moments, the more I talk, the more he talked his way out of his guilt, the more it was the moment of just, wow, guilty, guilty, guilty. Not that that's my place to call it, but I, I did have the moment to have to say, and it's me now, he's in my space. Right. He's here with me. Right. Now, in this situation, it was beneficial in the sense that you do a interview and we had labeled this a consultation. So I got to, I love the phrase of when all else fails, blame someone else. Mm-hmm. And I mean that in a sense from the filter of cover yourself, the the old CYA game. Because in this scenario, I got to very comfortably say, I have to completely stop our consultation right here because you have told me that there's an ongoing lawsuit concerning this. And I now have to stop all of our communication until I consult with my lawyer 
and find out whether or not you and I talking is in any way obstruction of justice. Perfect. So I will not tell you at this point, yes or no, can I help you? Because that doesn't matter at all. Because as much as I'm passionate about helping my clients, I am more passionate about being at home with my family every single night. And while I care for the goodwill of my clients, I will never put that in advance of my own safety and my own family's safety. So Mm -hmm. thank you for coming in today. I will send you an email later this week. And he proceeded to ask me more questions. And I said, at this point, I only can repeat myself until I consult with my lawyer we cannot have this conversation because I need to make sure that I'm protected to verify whether or not this is obstruction of justice. Exactly. And I'm just not willing to put myself in that position. Thank you so much. I wish you the best. I'll email you later this week. Back of my head, I am going guilty, guilty, guilty. You're never coming back here again. Yet it's that moment of how do you handle that situation in a, I'm hesitant to use the word respectful, but an appropriate scenario to, to move forward. Right. And I mean, there's been stories of that where here's the client who showed up to my office very heavily under the influence of a drug. And luckily in that office location, it became the, hey, it's kind of dark in here. Let's go outside for a moment. Right. And when we're now outside in public, that's when it had to turn into, you were going to call a taxi or someone to come get you because you're in my neighborhood. Yes. If you, if you get into your car, I will call the police on you. You're in my neighborhood. And we never did the hypnosis or anything that day. The, the The end of the story with the guy with the information on his computer was a moment where I did actually call a past client who worked in the division of whatever city it was uh, in that specific office tracking people who were guilty of these things. And the end of the story, I wish I was clever enough to write something like this. I called up and just simply said, hey, if someone came into my office and said these things, what should I be aware of? And I changed the name every single time because her response was, oh, you've met Tony. <laughs> and it's just like the perfect ending to that story to go, oh, because they had already apprehended. I was not the only one. It right. Turned out. So. And, and that's where. My strategy uh, basically is I'm going to find a acceptably respectable way to get you out of my space. Perfect. Perfect. And that's where I recommended that we, we no longer work together at this point because I it turns into something where I am no longer uh, the right source of help for that person. And specifically because they turned into somebody who was not the ideal thing that I would want to work on or that I feel comfortable working on. And it goes back to looking for that ideal client and if that person all of a sudden drops something where they are no longer that ideal client for you, how to handle it. And one of the, the way I simply handled it was, well, this is, uh, this has nothing to do with smoking cessation anymore. (laughs) And, and since you've already gotten the result of stopping smoking and this is completely unrelated, I now recommend that you go and see somebody else and that's exactly what happened and we parted ways and everything was fine but but then you just when they're leaving your office and the door closes you just kind of shake your head and you go well it's another one for the book <laughs> well i mean i have two stories that happened about the same time probably a couple of years back that one of them ended 
not positively. The other one ended very positively. One person was here and it became a moment where she purposefully withheld information on a medical history. So much so that something I had suggested, she goes, well, I can't, what was it? I can't be drinking more water because I'm on kidney dialysis. And I'm looking at her forms and I'm going, you didn't write that. Right. And she purposefully looked at me and said, well, I didn't want to tell you I was on that. Otherwise, you wouldn't take me as a client. Yep, exactly. And it's a moment where I did respectfully hand her back her forms and say, well, then our process here is over with. I no longer feel comfortable working with you. If you are going to withhold information, I am not going to put myself at risk at saying something that's not appropriate for you. Right. Likewise, I mean, the, the opposite example of that was here's a guy who was in my office to quit smoking. And I mean, this story really personifies my approach with my clients these days where he did not write it down yet because I have friends and distant family members that you can sit with this guy and you can tell there's something of perhaps a Parkinson style going on, something of that flavor that's either diagnosed or yet to be diagnosed. And I'm sitting there and I'm having to take his side for a moment to go, why did he not bring this up? What might not be going on? And it's the second session now he's in front of me. And I'll say it comfortably, the foot's in the door because he threw the cigarettes out at the first session and had not smoked since. <laughs> and it's at that point to go, you know what, Bill, there's something you didn't write down in your medical history. And again, I wish I was clever enough to script this out because his response was, it's that obvious, isn't it? Oh. Because basically he's the head of this company and he's doing everything he can to bide his time until when he announced he'd be retiring. Yeah. Now, it's the rare moment where I had video of that session and I had to show it to him because he's tremoring a little bit. He's moving around a little bit. And then we begin the hypnosis session and dude is completely still. And it's the moment as his jaw drops when he sees the video of the previous session to go, in his words, fill in the profanity, blank the cigarettes, teach me how to do that. Right, right. And the session completely sidebarred. We sent a letter over to the doctor and teaching himself hypnosis. In his words, he could not completely eradicate the movements, yet he had control over it at this point. Right. He could bottle it up. He could get up and give a presentation. So it's where I'd say it's there's not going to be one specific answer to that question. It's going to be a case-by-case -case type thing. And it all goes back to, in my mind, I think it all goes back to setting that frame and being professional and always handing these things in a professional manner. Because if you don't have the, the, the know-how or the whereabouts to work with these issues, then you have to refer them out to somebody else, but you have to be confident enough to do that and to know when and where to draw the line. And I'm a very firm believer that if there is somebody that, and I know people will disagree on me with this, but disagree with me on this. <laughs> <laughs> However, if there is somebody in my office that we do not share the same belief system and it can get in our way of working together, I am no longer the right fit and we are no longer the right fit together because now there's going to be a barrier. And that has happened a few times where it's not even that we didn't have different views on things. It's just that we could not come to an agreement 
to disagree on things. And uh, and there, we no longer were the right fit. So to answer your question that was about – that you asked about 25 minutes ago, uh, <laughs> has it ha- – have, have people slipped through the cracks where, where you walked in and you said, ugh, ugh. Yes, it has happened um, and that's why now, I mean that's a reason for me and this might not work for you or might not work for everybody but this is a reason for me to do a consultation of sorts or an interview whether it be over the phone or whether it be in the office because I want to make sure that we are a good fit and I want to make sure they're going to take our session seriously. Well, I mean the perfect example is the guy who signed up for my class and you up until recently for my certification courses you had to hunt pretty 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 well to find the registration link to pay for the class in full because if we're going to hang out for that many hours I kind of want to talk to you first yes and I get someone suddenly paid in full and that link was not very public and I called the guy up and I am so looking forward to hypnosis training because I need to start a cult. Wait, what? Fun. <laughs> Can now, you give him my number? <laughs> to, to his credit, maybe the the goal was uh, noble. Members of the family had been swept into one in his strategy. You got to find some respect to this. It was, well, I'll just start my own and pull them back in. Right. So right. I can, I can kind of get behind that. Though it was a moment where I did have to respectfully say... Well, it looks like there's been some sort of error in communication, and thankfully I can tell you that error was entirely yours. Right. Uh, <laughs> by the way, check your email. This money has already been refunded. Where do you recommend I go? I really am happy to tell you I do not have a resource for that. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. It's where, again, if there's a client who is not a fit for me, my phrasing these days will be, uh, at the moment, I do not have a resource to recommend. However, as you find something that helps you out, please give me a call back. That way I'll have something in the future. Right. right. It's my it's my little bit of a hypnotic suggestion to give them, to tell them something is going to be a fit for you. I just don't have it right now. Right. Exactly. And that's where, it, where I'm transitioning in my practice is I only really want to see people now for performance things, for example, business, sales performance, sports performance. And anything not related to that, where it might be uh, uh, weight loss and anxiety is connected to that, by the way, but where it be something like weight loss or smoking cessation, I have another hypnotist that works with me who I refer those clients to her. And she's very happy to do that. And at one point, there were seven hypnotists in my parking lot. And seven. And I'm in a, a little office street park. Battle, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Street fight. <laughs> yeah, we'd all go out with our guns ablazing <laughs> and our switchblades and, and we'd hash it out. Uh, <laughs> but what we became to learn about each other is we all had certain specialties. So we'd actually, instead of fighting against each other, we'd work with each other and refer people clients and say, hey, you know what? You mentioned something about past life regression. I have taken pe- many people in the famous line. I've taken many people back to what they'd consider to be a past life, um, but it's not something I specialize in. Why don't you go and see Harry for that? He's in the building right next door. I would get clients for it from Harry all the time. Uh, the same thing with uh, with Liz, who's a psychologist and a hypnotist. And I'd say, you know what? This is a little bit out of the scope of my practice. Why don't you go see Liz? And she utilizes hypnosis in her therapeutic intervention. So it became something where we'd all f- consult with each other. 
And instead of fighting against each other and having turf wars, it became something where we actually all kept each other busy for quite a while until people started moving into different places. And, um, and, uh, and it became very cohesive. And I've always built my business, Jason, on being, uh, being genuine, being kind, being caring, and, uh, and being just somebody that people enjoy to be around. And that's what I think is really important when, when doing this is being able to form these connections with people. And there, there are some, some even shows where I go and do, and they said, you know, Dan, we had this other hypnotist last year and, and he was a real jerk. He, he, he wasn't a, or, or she or whoever it was, they weren't a pleasure to work with. And, uh, and, and that's why, when I do shows, when I see clients, I always make sure that people are going to have a positive, pleasant experience. And I feel a big part of it is attitude. And, and that's that's how I built my business since I was 13 years old, is just being someone that's kind and caring and compassionate. But also, you have to learn and know when to set boundaries and Absolutely. how to maintain those boundaries. So let's pivot for a moment. I'm curious to hear one of the principles that I find to be the most fascinating in terms of success is that of leveraging, of taking anything that we've accomplished and turning it into an asset. So, you know, my arc of when I got started in hypnosis, uh, doing a very show, very small bar show uh, in Baltimore at one point, and using that to get television, taking that clip, turning that into an entire high school business, taking that client list, turning it into an entire corporate list, taking that list and then launching Virginia Hypnosis and having a packed schedule within the first month, taking the moment of what I've done within my business myself, turning that into trainings and this podcast, taking this conversation, how we're always taking what we've been doing and leveraging that into the next step. So I'm kind of curious to hear the the journey of this TEDx talk that you did and how even though it's this little video floating around on the internet that's very specifically all about hypnosis, what you've now since turned that into. Yes. So next week, I'm going to El Salvador to give a corporate talk based on how to hypnotize yourself to uh, to achieve your full sales potential. So it's a sales team of entrepreneurs. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was in Montana uh, again doing a doing a talk, uh, a, a training on uh, how to how to set goals and how to use hypnosis to achieve those goals. And that TED talk has elevated me up to and and, and kind of put things on a pedestal. And for those of you who are who are wondering about TEDx talks, if you can do one, find every opportunity that you can to do one because it's not really about what you get paid because you you don't get paid to do a TEDx talk unless someone is very generous. You do it for free and to have the logo behind you and to have the professional video. So if you can use that as a platform, and and that's what I did, and and hey, people picked it out, and you know what the first thing people did, Jason, with that video, who or, you know other hypnotists did with that video, they critiqued the hell out oh, of it, yeah. and they said, oh, he shouldn't have said this, he shouldn't have said that, and my response was, where's your TED talk? Exactly. When you do one, let's let's talk about yours, and yes, are there things I would have changed in it? A hundred percent, absolutely, <laughs> but. 
it's what you do with that talk afterwards. That talk right now actually is not on my website because I want people to give me their information to get access to it. And it's I've positioned it so it's not um, a, hey, watch Dan's TED Talk. I use this to say, get your free video to learn how to hypnotize yourself to start uh, building a foundation of change. So that's how I've used it to position myself at, for not just a hypnotherapist but also as a corporate speaker. And now I'm traveling not only all over the country but all over the world basically teaching this message as to high producers are already hypnotizing themselves. They're just calling it something different. I just – I can't say the name of this team but a very – a uh, popular baseball team just contacted me to uh, be their mental facilitator and they saw my TED talk. I specialize in working with athletes and business people but this was a – I didn't realize this sports team was the one that was calling me and I essentially said uh, – they said, can you come down and can you interview for this position to be our mental facilitator at this date and this date? I said, well, I can't. I are, you know, my office books up about six weeks in advance, and it's six weeks from today, and I have uh, two events I'm doing that day, and I have six clients. And they said, you wouldn't cancel. I said, give me three reasons why I should cancel these events or postpone them to go and interview with you. And they said, well, we're the such and such baseball team. To <laughs> if you could cut to my face, I was like, <laughs> oh. My God. And I had to call one of my friends and mentors and say, hey, is this is this important? And she goes, are you kidding me? <laughs> she said, you'd be stupid to turn that down. So the TED Talk has gotten a lot of opportunities, but each one of those opportunities that's gotten me, I've used that as a platform to build other opportunities as well. Awesome. So where can people find you online? You can find me on my uh, hypnotherapy website, which is MA, as in Massachusetts, mahypnosis.com. Or you can find me on my stage site, which is uh, dancandell.com, C-A-N-D-E-L-L.com, dancandell.com. And there are some some great things that I'm putting together for hypnotists and for what you would consider to be lay people as well. Um, so keep your eyes open for that. There is a training I'm going to be teaching on the West Coast very soon about using stage techniques in your uh, in your practice for people who are consulting hypnotists. So, so there's some great things that are coming up that I'm very excited about and very excited to uh, to teach because that's I found that's one of my my biggest passions and that's been a theme throughout my life that has been carried over. Is I, I love to teach and I love to share information. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at WorkSmartHypnosis.com. Hey, it's Jason here. And one more time, thank you so much to Dan for appearing here on the podcast. And Dan, again, as I like to say, is a hypnotic worker. And to learn more of what I really mean by that, I'd encourage you to head over to WorkSmartHypnosis.com, click the training tab and explore the option there of hypnotic workers, or simply go over to HypnoticWorkers.com. This is the entire all-access pass to my hypnotherapy training content, delivered to you in a digital access library, interactive downloads available, transcriptions, 
in a whole contextual point of view, really made to make you creative, flexible, and confident in your skills as a hypnotist. Now, take note, this is a program which is typically by invitation only, though click the Get Instant Access button on the Hypnotic Workers page and get on the waiting list, and you will be among the first to know as we open up additional spaces. That's hypnoticworkers.com or head over to worksmarthypnosis.com, click the training tab, explore hypnotic workers over there, get on the waiting list, be the first to find out. It's Jason Lynette, and I'll see you next time.